Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's episode features Brother Peter Xavier and Brother Andrew Brabuff as they share about airplane conversations. To learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager for the Servants, and today I am joined by Brother Peter Xavier and Brother Andrew Brabuff as they share about a topic that Brother Peter is really excited about. I am so excited. (laughs) I am so excited. And that is airplane conversations. Come on. First of all, what was wrong with the way I said Brabuff? Brabuff, Ed, get it right. That's not what you just said. When you said it's French. I know it's yeah. strange. It's you Brabuff. just said Saint Andrew Brabuff. Pray no, for us. It like yeah. rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Brabuff. Brabuff. Uh, Javier, <laughs> Xavier, Brabuff. Javier, <laughs> Lugo. Uh, <laughs> I disagree, and I have, I have you recorded on previous podcasts saying your name. So I'm going to go back and play list? those for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so airplane conversations. <laughs> For you guys, I think that it's important to give like a little backstory for people who are listening that you guys travel a lot and as modern missionaries, airplane travel is is one of the times, honestly, when like you're almost more missionary than any other time because you go to a camp and there's there's people who are there for Jesus, yes. but when you sit That's down exactly on an airplane it. seat next to somebody, they're not there to talk yes. to Brother Peter about Jesus. They're not even expecting it. <laughs> yeah, That's, exactly. That's what's the best about it. Yeah. So why don't we just jump in and you guys start off by talking, telling me just why you think this is such an important topic that we're even having a podcast about it. Yeah. So I would say when we were, well, one, I'm just kind of like personally, ever since I've joined the community, this is like one way this is one way that the Lord has just kind of revealed that he wants to use some of the servants is not just when we're on retreats, like you're saying, but like after the retreat and before the retreat, when there's no talk prep, you don't know what's going to happen. You just sit down next to somebody and it's like, okay, here we go. What's going to happen? And for, for me personally, I was, when we were preparing for this, I was really reflecting on, so I grew up going to like Steubenville conferences. I grew up going to um, Cove Crest, which is like a, a life teen high school summer camp and just like at different points when there was like keynote speakers i remember something that always stood out to me some big name speakers would give these testimonies uh they sat down on an airplane they sat down in a taxi and they just had this conversation with the taxi driver the person sitting next to them they walked into the grocery store they had this amazing conversation with a stranger ended up praying with them and i was just always moved of like that is so cool that's so reckless that's so freeing i've never done anything like that i don't know anybody that's done anything like that can i do that like am i capable of doing that and so when um i would say firstly when i took this to prayer just kind of this topic the father was just like emphasizing that he wants brother and i to give testimony for two reasons like why do we give testimony so first reason is because he deserves all of the glory that everything that we say right now is for the glory of God, and particularly that God is faithful. That God, when we step out and trust to do something bold and reckless, he's going to come through. And if he do- if it doesn't seem to come through, he's teaching us a lesson of just abandonment so that we can continue just keep stepping out in bigger and bigger ways, not expecting something and just receiving disappointment every time. Um, so I would say first is for the glory of God and so that he can prove his faithfulness to us because he wants to. And then uh, secondly is just 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 a spirit of encouragement, just really desiring to um, speak to the body of Christ that we're called to do this and we're capable. 
because I think a lot of things that, you know, having been a college student, now being a religious, I see both sides, you know? I would look to religious, they give testimonies, I would look to priests, give testimonies, or full-time missionaries, and they give testimonies, I'm like, you're a missionary, that's awesome. You're a priest, that's awesome. But like for me and my like my estate, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. And for some things that we talk about on the podcast, that's that's just accurate. Mm-hmm. But for something like this, the Lord was really just like highlighting that um, everyone should walk in expectant faith of having a conversation for the gospel. That it's not just like this religious thing, mm-hmm. um, like uh, not not the term of like just religion, yeah, yeah. but like for a religious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for every single person that has the calling to be a missionary on their life. And one verse that brother and I were reflecting on prior to this is, um, and I think you have the citation for it, but woe to me if I don't, if I don't preach the gospel. Where's that from? First Corinthians nine. Nice. See, he's ready. <laughs> there we go. So, cause I didn't even remember to type that right now. <laughs> so yeah, in first Corinthians nine, Paul is saying, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. And recently we were at a camp at Damascus and that verse really stood out to me because the bishop was commissioning all of the summer missionaries before the campers got there. And what he did was he had a relic of St. Paul. He was standing up at, sta- at the, like, the front on the stage at the end of mass. And what was gonna happen was all of the, the summer missionaries were gonna come up, cross the stage, and he was gonna bless them with the relic of St. Paul, which was just so cool. And he said, like, right before we started doing this, I want you to hold this verse in your heart. Like as you're about to enter into mission, as you're about to enter into this like new like stage of woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Like there should be a sorrow if I find myself not preaching the gospel. Yeah, I think there's something that's so good too, not only for the people that we talk to, but also for us as missionaries that are trying to live this life. Whenever I read about St. Francis Xavier or St. John Brebeuf, I hear about these missionaries that are sharing the gospel to people who have never actually heard the gospel before, to people who have never really heard what Jesus wants to do in their life. And so it's so easy for us as religious to talk about prayer and talk about Jesus in our community. It's easy to go to retreats and talk about it. But there's something uncomfortable and something that almost seems dangerous yeah, it's whenever reckless. you go on a plane yeah. and you talk to someone who doesn't want to talk to you at all. They just want to read a book. They just want to listen to headphones. And they're just being nice answering questions at first. And there's something that just comes alive in me and something that is utterly exhilarating when you can start sharing the gospel. <laughs> And it just becomes almost to the point of it's addicting because you step on a plane and you're just like, Father, what do you want to do through me right now? Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak and who do you want to speak to? Because when you do it a couple of times and you realize that people's lives can literally be changed on a two-hour flight, that these burdens that have been burdening their heart for the last 10 years can be lifted, that they can find hope and they can find peace for things they've been struggling with for so long because you took a two-hour flight to talk to them, it becomes something that you want to do every single time and that you just look forward to every time you travel. Yeah. Yeah. One quick more thing that um, when I was at that that camp, I was talking about Damascus. And it, I think it's exactly what Brother Andrew is talking about, this kind of like this boldness that we're called to have as Christians. I remember just having this, just this kind of thought while I was walking of the gospel kind of seems boring sometimes. Not in the actual message itself, but like I've been doing this for, I've been in religious life for three years. There's kind of a day-to-day life. And I'm trying to like actively live the gospel in, um, in whatever way that I can. But there's just this realization of like, sometimes I'm bored, like I really am. And then the next thought was like, how often do I step out in boldness in my day-to-day life, in my regular life? Is it my fault that the gospel might be boring sometimes? Like, am I actually willing to put the gospel on the line for the sake of like seeing the Lord come through for the sake of the boldness of the, the willingness to be embarrassed? Because that's adventurous, like that's freeing, that's exciting. Like my life would not be bored if I just saw somebody on the street and thought I had a prophetic word for them, you know? Because I have no idea how this is gonna go. 
So that was really convicting for me too. And I think that's exactly kind of like where you're getting at. Awesome. All right. Well, that's the podcast for today. <laughs> um, Thanks, Ed. Have a good I one. I think you guys covered everything. Uh, <laughs> There's so much more. There's so All much right. Uh, now you know why we love this. It's <laughs> yeah. so awesome. It's so awesome. I love it. Okay. So let's uh, start off. Well, not really start off, but let's kind of jump into <laughs> a little yeah. bit about how you guys travel just so that there's kind of a context for how often these conversations take place. If you could kind of give us a number, how often do you have these like really deep conversations with people on flights? I'd probably say, I would say at least a quarter of the time I'm having a conversation about the Lord with somebody, at least a quarter of the time. And I think that's an underestimate. I don't know what you would say, brother, from your experience so far in your year. Yeah, I would say probably around a quarter of a time I have a really good deep conversation, but I would say at least half the time and probably more I have some form of conversation with a person. Even if Jesus doesn't get brought up, just loving them and being joyful and showing an example of somebody who is a religious who loves Jesus but is a normal person that just wants to uh, show love and care for them. So I'd say at least half my conversations, uh, I'm constantly talking to them. And one thing I just find with that is simply sharing joy can change lives because people aren't used to seeing other men and women who are so alive and so passionate. And and Jesus just gets brought up in the conversations whenever it does happen. Because when I first started evangelizing, I had to think constantly, how am I going to bring Jesus into this? And I had to think, how am I going to be a missionary here or there? But eventually, after you do it a while, it just becomes a second instinct where you just naturally start talking about Jesus because your entire life is centered around him. And so it just becomes very natural after a time uh, to begin sharing the gospel with people when you're in conversation with them. So take me through how these conversations start with you guys most of the time. Like when you sit down, I mean, I imagine most people are sitting down reading or they're trying to go to sleep. How do, how do conversations arise with you guys on airplanes? I think it's really important. A phrase that I like to use is to talk their talk. And so whenever I get on an airplane, I don't sit down and say, hey, do you know Jesus Christ? You know, it's like I'm not awkward with them. I just start asking them, why are you flying? Where are you going to? Do you have any family? What have you been up to recently? How has work been? What do you do in your free time? And basically what I look for is I try to find anything that they're passionate about and anything that they want to talk about and anything they want to share. There's been different flights where I remember talking to a guy named Aaron about CBD, I think it was called, something he works with. But we talked about it for the first 25 minutes of the flight because he just wanted to share. I remember talking to a guy named Blake. He was really getting into Hinduism. So we talked all about Hinduism, which sent up a conversation about Christianity later. On my last flight, I was talking to a girl that grew up in inner city Chicago. And I said, hey, T, what do you enjoy doing in your free time? And she said, I like partying. And I said, I love partying. What do you love about partying? We just talked about parties for 20 minutes. So I just find things that they love to talk about and I just run with it. Yeah. For me, I always like the question that I like, and it's such an easy question that I just try to get there. And brother already said it is, so yeah, I'll, I'll sit down on the plane and if they haven't sat, I'll wait for them. And I'll either like make some kind of comment of like, <laughs> and I don't have this planned, you know, it's not like I'm going to say this when I sit down and then I'm going to do this and he's going to laugh and it's going to like, no, it's just like, it just flows. So I would say just like try to like start a casual conversation and like find a way to where, you know, like I can like start talking about like my experience and then I use that as a means is kind of what I try to do normally. So, so in conversations that you've had with people, what have you found that, 
is kind of a common theme in terms of like questions that people have or things that people want to know about your lives as religious and, uh, and even just about faith in general. Honestly, there's not like a cookie cutter conversation. I think that's why I like it so much. It's mm-hmm. very like spontaneous. So I really have no idea whatever. I, I remember one time, actually, this is perfect. I remember one time, I think I was first year novice. Okay. I am 21 years old and I'm in all black. And I sit in between this one woman who's probably in her early 40s and um, is Catholic. I don't think she go- she went to mass every Sunday though. And then I'm sitting next to another woman. So I'm in the middle seat. And this woman was in probably her early 60s, maybe late 60s, and grew up as like, grew up with like nuns as like her teachers and like mm-hmm. got the ruler and stuff. And that's what she would talk about when she talked about <laughs> Catholicism, you know? And when she became like 18, she like, when she was f- like, had freedom, she stopped going to church and hasn't been back since then. So I sit down and I'm just like having a conversation. And then one of them just like opens up with like a question about like some kind of social topic of like same sex marriage or like something about like um, recreational drugs or something like that. And then for the next hour and a half, it was just brother Peter sitting in between (laughs) these two women who are like my, like around my mom's age, the young ones probably around my mom's age and just drilling me with all of these, like anything that they could think of. And I was just like, I'm 21. Like, you know, I haven't had training for this and stuff like that. So really people will, a lot of times people ask about like, so are you going to get married? You know, what the question I love is, what made you want to do that? Mm. That's the best. That is the, like, that's so good. And like, even if you're a missionary too, like people will ask, what made you want to do that? You know? Uh, I think after the normal conversation, people are, again, just very curious when they see me in black and they see I'm a brother and they say, what does that mean that you're a brother? And they start asking about our way of life. And I, I usually start off with telling them how I graduated Ohio State and I used to study engineering and have internships just to be very, they they know I'm a very normal person, so to speak, but then they see this decision that I've made that is a radically different life than most people when they leave college. And most people know that priests don't get married, but when I start talking about what we do with the vows of poverty and obedience and what my life looks like as a missionary and how often I travel, I, I love whenever they ask that same question, why did you want to do that? Whatever made you do that? And it's almost like, why would you make yourself miserable is what they're asking mm-hmm. because it, it yeah. just sounds like a depressing life to them. And that's when I just have the joy of sharing that actually the world couldn't fulfill me, that I had everything in the world. I was doing everything everyone said and I was very successful at it and it could never actually satisfy me. And now I realize this life that everybody looks down upon and that looks depressing is actually bringing me greater joy and fulfillment than I've ever felt outside of this. And so I just love that question because I think you just have to look for that open door that whenever people ask you, a question about your life or a question about your faith, that's your opportunity to share the gospel after talking about them for so long. Mm-hmm. And that's the opportunity you have to kind of run into that conversation. Now, let me ask, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just have one thing too. Um, just to like create freedom mm-hmm. is um, something that's been really fruitful, actually. I've had several people on planes be like, what do you do when you close your eyes? Because like, if you're around mm-hmm. the servants, like when they're praying and stuff, I remember you just pick up this kind of like habit <laughs> of like when you're reflecting, when you're praying, when you're sharing what the Lord is doing, when you're discerning, your eyes just close. There's like a little head nod. Yeah. And you're just like, you're just really trying to press into like spirit. What are you saying? Mm-hmm. Holy spirit. What do you want to say right now? Father, what do you want to speak? And so people will ask me a question. I'm like, um, give me one second. Let me like, let me think for a second. Mm-hmm. And I'll just close my eyes. And I've had several people, what do you do when you like close your eyes and mm. do that? And I'm like, I'm asking the father what he wants to speak to you. 
Hmm. And they're like, what does that mean? Because most people have never heard somebody say, I can hear Father in heaven speak to me, mm-hmm. you know? So that alone is radical. So there's like this freedom of, I don't have to have the answer. And I'm not like, I don't have a, like a pocketbook that I just memorize of all these answers to questions. Um, so the Lord uses anything, mm-hmm. even my waiting and like discerning, he'll mm-hmm. use that, which is awesome. When you sit down on a, on a, on a plane, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you get to that point in a conversation and obviously I can assume it varies by conversation, yeah. but how do you, how do you pay attention to and how, how are you attentive to getting to that point where you can like really truly share the gospel? Whenever I sit down, I just start having a conversation and I just want to have fun basically, because if I'm really strained or stressed or I'm anxious, then it's not going to be a fruitful conversation. I'm not really going to want to talk to them and they're not going to want to talk to me. And if it seems like it's a chore for me, then it's going to seem like a chore for them. And it's not going to be something they're going to want to be a part of. But one thing I've found is that whenever I enter a conversation that it's not my job, it's not my goal to convert someone to Christianity. That actually when I'm sitting down with someone, what's going through my head is, Father, how can I love this person? And when the time comes, how can I show them that you love them? How can Mm. I convict their hearts that there's a Father in heaven who's never abandoned them, who cares intimately about every part of their life uh, and wants to be with them in everything that they're going through? And whenever I'm loving people, since God is love, according to 1 John, if they're receiving my love and letting that enter their hearts in some mystical way, they're receiving God and letting God enter their hearts. And whenever their hearts begin to be open to that love and to grace, the Holy Spirit is the one who converts them. Mm. And so it takes pressure off of me that I don't have to convert souls. I just mm-hmm. love souls and show them the Father's love, and then the Holy Spirit converts them. Sometimes on the spot, sometimes I leave the plane, and I have no idea what that conversation is going to do. But I'm so excited for one day to get to heaven and have people come up to me and say, Brother, I don't even know if you remember me, but you talked from you talked with me for 20 minutes on a plane, and mm. it changed my life, and it changed my eternity, actually. Mm. And I'm so excited for that day to see the fruit that the Father's kept hidden from my eyes for all these years. Yeah, I would just echo again. That was kind of one of the main things Brother and I felt like the Father wanted to speak was um, just that verse from St. Paul um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Make love your aim. Mm. Make love your aim. And that is so, again, it's it's... I just feel like I need to keep saying this of like we we I because I, I remember when I wanted to I had that hunger for that like that evangelization of like wanting to just walk up to people and like I want to bring the gospel to them but like I don't know how give me a method huh. your method is for first Corinthians 14 make love your aim huh. there's some I had a conversation this past week where I never mentioned the name of, of Jesus to the guy but I was really trying to love him. And he mentioned in the conversation, like as we're just talking, he was like, yeah, I just moved out of Colorado Springs and I've been there for about a year and I don't really have any friends. Hmm. And like, I've tried, you know, I'm like 30 years old. And so it's kind of like an awkward age to try to make friends that I have some friends that are 50, but they're not my age. Mm -hmm. You know, so here I am as a 24 year old, it's like, it sounds really cheesy, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to be your friend for this next hour and a half because I'm going to love you in the way that Jesus wants to love you, right? And it's just, it's that, it's simple. It's so simple, it's so simple. So when our mind is directed towards loving the person, then we can like focus on like the prophetic, right? Like, Father, how do you wanna speak? Mm-hmm. But really like my intention is, I'm okay if the Father says nothing, I just want you to love them. Mm-hmm. And that happens to both of us. I have nothing that I want you to say, I just want you to love them. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we'll do that for two hours, that's yeah. great. So. And I think this is also why having a daily prayer is so important because if you're not going to God who is love, love himself every single day and being filled with that love, then you really have no love to give other than your own human frail, um, 
finite love. But whenever you, you have a chaste heart that's being filled with God's love and you just become a vessel, you're literally loving people from the heart of God himself. And they don't realize that they're made from that love and they're made for that love. But something happens in people's hearts. Some conversion starts happening when you start loving them like that. And it, it just kind of unarms them because they feel like this person's not judging me. They're not going to condemn me. This person actually cares about me. Nobody actually cares about me just for my own sake. And I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had where people just say, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I feel like I can tell you this. And they just open up about all these things in their life. There was a flight a couple months ago with a mother named Brandy I was talking to. And immediately after the flight took off, she started opening up about how she used to be Christian, but a few years ago, her son died in this horrific accident at work in a factory. And I realized quickly that she hasn't talked about this to anyone in years because she was keeping it closed away in her heart. And recognizing that my goal wasn't to make her Christian again, my goal was simply to love her. I just grieved with her over her son. And I just talked, I just asked her questions about how hard it was. And then I talked about my experiences as a missionary in Detroit and how I saw so many people with broken lives and kids that were growing up with families that yeah, were living such difficult lives that they didn't deserve. And rather than me defending God or giving these philosophic answers or bring her back to Christianity, simply sharing her grief and telling her how I struggle with the concept of God sometimes because I don't understand why life is so hard. Loving her like that brought conversion to her heart more than if I just started preaching Jesus Christ's name right there. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate these reflections because most people who are going to listen to this podcast aren't religious brothers or priests. And so, so they can't, like enter into a conversation by being like, oh, well, yeah, I'm a tax accountant. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Let for me sure. tell you about yeah, Jesus. Yeah. No, 100%. Uh, you know? but, but what you're talking about is something that anyone can do, you know, in terms of just listening and loving and and responding to, you know, the person who's in front of you. So for you guys, and these, this might be a good time for some like kind of practical tips for other people too, like what are some some things that you have learned doing this? What What are some... I mean, I'm sure you've already talked about some of them, but what are some things you've learned about just how to share Jesus in a direct or indirect in an implicit or explicit way uh, with people on airplanes? Yeah, so I think the first thing, like, we've already touched at, um, and it's kind of like we're going to break that down now. Of like, how, okay, so how, Brother Peter, like, how do I make my love my aim? Like, what mm-hmm. does that actually look like? What am I going to do, like, when I'm talking to somebody sitting down on the plane? And I think one thing that I learned I think it was during my second year of religious life when I was reading through the book of James. He writes in in chapter one, verse 19, let every man be quick to hear and slow to speak. Mm. And I remember that verse convicted me so much because I was like, I am a talker. (laughs) I'm a talker. (laughs) Yeah, listen to the first seven minutes of this podcast. (laughs) It's true. I, I, yeah. I mean, the Lord, and it's a blessing the Lord has made me to preach. Like I know that for a fact and you know, so I love whenever I get to like share the gospel. But what I found is most effective, and Brother Andrew already talked about this, is I'm here to listen to somebody that probably doesn't ever really feel listened to, like authentically, especially by a stranger. Maybe to their best friend when they can open up like very like boldly, but just sitting down on a plane to somebody and just like, this is why this is why we ask questions mm-hmm. more than we're like looking to like speak about ourselves. We're just like, we want, I want to know you. Like, I want to know like your heart, like what you're about, what you like, where you've been and stuff. And like, so I, I, it's, I think like, so the practicality of that is I'm seeking to listen more than I speak. And I do that by asking questions and I will ask questions about 
anything. Mm -hmm. And if they give me the smallest thing, I'm running with that for as long as I can, you know? Not in like an annoying way, but just like in this like caring way that I wanna know all the details about this. Like mm -hmm. the, co the conversation I was talking about this past week where we didn't actually talk about the name of Jesus was he told me he was a personal chef. And I was like, mm -hmm. That's so cool. <laughs> just authentically, I was like, I don't think I've ever met a personal chef before. So we just talked about what it meant to be a personal chef for literally the two hours of the flight, you know? And so really anything can be like the means, but just like allowing myself to be humbled to listen rather than speaking all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it takes the pressure off of us too in the sense of even if the conversation is awkward and even if it seems to go south and just doesn't work, the fact that if this person walks away from me feeling loved, I've won a victory. That if they walk away and they know that there was a Christian who loved me, that's going to sit in their hearts whether they remember it or not. Mm. And when you just love people in this very pure way, they just feel this comfort in, in going deep immediately uh, that they don't feel with other people. I remember on my flight back from Israel, I sat next to a guy my age named Tyler. And before the, before the wheels even left the ground, I heard him start a sentence, yeah, so I think some of my biggest regrets in life are, hmm. and immediately he goes into these biggest regrets <laughs> and he goes into all these wounds from his life and all these fears he has right before he's about to get married in a few months. Hmm. And we're able to talk through them and pray through them, not for the entire 14 hour flight, mm -hmm. uh, but for the first couple hours at least. But it just shocked me that it wasn't because I was wearing black. It wasn't because I was a brother. It's because I looked him in the eye and actually cared about him and I listened to him and I asked him questions because I was actually interested in who he was. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, asking the question of like, that I just remember that I like, there, there was a conversation with a, a girl who's a grad student um, in a school up in the North. I don't remember what school um, that happened in this past year. And I, I remember there was an explicit point in the conversation where I asked like a, like a question of like, she was talking about something and I just said like, how does, well, how does that like make you feel? Hmm. Not just like wanting the facts of like, but, like, what did, like what did that do to you as a person? And her response was, that's really deep. And I said, yeah, I like to ask, I want a real, like I like real conversation. <laughs> I was just honest. I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, that was a deep question. I'm not gonna avoid that. Mm -hmm. And it's because like, I actually wanna talk about stuff that matters mm -hmm. and not just about the weather and just about work and stuff. So showing people like you care about the person, like in themselves, by just like simple like questions of like, how do you feel like about that, you know? In yeah. not a weird way, in a normal way. Yeah. But I would say also too, and there was real fruit with this a few weeks ago of, I have, to, it's a willful choice hmm. of I'm going to sit down on this plane and I'm going to be open to preach the gospel. Because like we said, we are missionaries and we're off traveling to different retreats, preaching during the weekend. And it can be exhausting, you know, getting hmm. little sleep and then having like intense conversations and just pouring your heart out to people and receiving so much. You come on a plane home from that and you're just like, I just want to sleep for like an hour, you know, I just want to rest. And that encounter happened recently. And um, I'll talk more about it later, I think. But I remember seeing the guy's headphones on his lap and I'm sitting down and I'm like, all right, good. He's going to listen to music. I can just sit here. And I just turned to him and I just said, how's it going? And he just said, great. And just started kind of like talking more. And when I saw that sign, if he wants to talk more, I was like, all right, I'm just going to see how far this goes. You know, I'm just going to be open, you know, like maybe in five minutes I'll get to sleep and literally wheels up, wheels down, not even wheels up, literally sitting down, plane boarding to exiting the plane with everybody off. We didn't stop the entire time. And it was the most powerful conversation I probably ever had on a plane, which we'll get more into details later. 
but there, there just has to be, it's not about me feeling preaching the gospel. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Whenever, wherever, I have to be open. I have to choose, like, I'm going to be open for this opportunity. I'm going to give the opportunity, like, to, and yeah, I'm going to give the opportunity for the Lord to act. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But I'm still going to show the Lord, Lord, I'm ready. So I would say be open every time you sit down somewhere. Whether it's a restaurant, whether it's an airplane, anywhere, anytime I'm sitting somewhere public, Lord, I'm ready to share the gospel if you want me to. Show me how. Show me what you want me to do. I think another thing I've learned is that in the midst of conversations, I've learned to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit more than I ever have. And it's not even so much a conscious, God, what do you want to speak here? I'm just constantly discerning it without even realizing it. And I think we complicate this so much. We hear St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 talk about ardently pursuing the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, especially that of prophecy. And we think of like receiving these incredible visions from heaven and sharing them to people. But if I go to daily prayer every day and I know what it's like to hear the voice of the Father speak to me, why can I not sit on a plane and hear the voice of the Father speak to me for somebody else's sake? Because the reality is, is they literally may have never heard of a word that God has spoken to them their entire life. They may have never met a Christian before that knows how to hear Jesus's voice. And that alone can shock people that Christianity is real. But whenever you can share Jesus's words with people and say, I think Jesus wants to tell you this. I think the father wants to tell you this. Sometimes it just breaks into people's hearts in a new way. There was a flight where I was sitting next to a middle-aged woman. Uh, We had an incredible conversation. She was an atheist and we talked about life and work, and then we talked about morality for a really long conversation, a lot of questions that I didn't know, and I just kept bringing it back to the Father's love, basically, and how all morality flows forth from his love for us and desire to be happy. And then she started talking about work again, so I just rolled with it. And at one point, she said, yeah, I'm a consultant for these companies, and I have a lot of experience in this, and I showed up, and I had so much wisdom to share with them. I saw things that could have been better, that would have been better for their company, for their own joy and happiness in their own lives but they wouldn't listen to me because they were stubborn and they were prideful and they just didn't want to hear what I have to say. And she said it was so frustrating. And immediately I heard the voice of the father say, tell her to repeat that. Hmm. And I looked at her and I said, that is exactly what God the father wants to say to you right now. And I said, repeat exactly what you just said. (laughs) And so she repeats it. And she said, all I want to do is bring them greater joy and make their lives better. And they just won't listen to me because they're so caught up in themselves. Mm. Um, and immediately she just heard the father speak that to mm. her, that the father just wants to love her and help her, but she's not listening. And so a simple way of being prophetic in the middle of a conversation like that, broken in a way my words never yes. could have. Yeah. And all, the father was already speaking that. That was the thought that that thought was already in her heart because that thought could have been the father. And so all you did was just point to something she already knew. You know, you didn't even have to really like, I mean, the Lord told you repeat it again. But all you did was say, repeat it. You know, <laughs> you didn't come up with that word. She came up with that word and really mm-hmm. the father gave it to her. So, yeah. So, and, and I would say like with that, like something we've already talked about is so like attentive and listening, but just be like attentive for the open door that we don't have to create the open door. We just are looking because we're just saying, father, I'm here to glorify you. I'm here to praise, reverence and serve you. And so I'm open do something if you want to. I don't have to make it, like make it up and make it happen. The father is faithful. He's the one doing the work. This isn't like a Pelagian thing, you know, like he's the one working the grace. Now we have talked about some implicit times that you've shared the gospel and times that the, the, that the Lord has led you. Have you ever been led by the Lord to open up the Bible or to like pray with somebody on an airplane? I love airplane napkins. 
I love airplane napkins so much. Like I will, I've asked for airplane napkins sometimes because there's been so many times that I'll be talking to like a, somebody who's a Christian or somebody that grew up Christian and I give the testimony of like, I can hear the father's voice. And then they just say like, how do you do that? I'm like, have you ever heard of Lexio? It's such an easy way to teach somebody how to pray with the scriptures. So one, I will literally walk through step by step of like, this is what Lexio is. And I'm writing it down on a napkin or I'll literally tell people like, hey, do you have like an iPhone? Do you want to pull out your notes and just take this so you remember it? Hmm. And then so they do it. So that I, many, many times that's happened, which is such a gift. And then after that, I'm like, well, let's do it. Hmm. I pull out my, I'm like, do you want to try it like with me right now? Just like see like what happens. And so I pull out my scripture and then we're reading the word of God together, doing Lexio together. It's awesome. It's it's so it's it's so cool. And it's so much fun when the word of God is involved because that's again freedom of like okay, now God's words just going into him, you know? And now he's just reflecting on God's word. It's like literally like forget about me, like let get the scriptures into his hands and like let him do it. Yeah, I think it's so important not to force prayer to the point where it's awkward. You don't want to be weird with someone, right? But at the same time, when the avenue opens in humility, I need to realize I can love someone, but only the Father, only God can change their life. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm talking to Tyler and he's opening up about all these fears he has going into marriage and he's talking about all these wounds he has from the past, I realize I can love him, but I can't do anything about that. And ultimately in 14 hours, this plane's going to hit the ground and I'm never going to see him again. And so in the middle of the plane ride, him and I just started going into prayers and we started praying into healing for all these things from the past. And we started praying for freedom. And rather than just me praying over him, what I do is I put my hand on his shoulder and I say, I want you to tell the father how you're feeling about this. I want you to tell God about this. I want you to ask for this grace. And he prays in his own words. So I'm teaching him how to pray and he's receiving healing and freedom in the midst of that in a way that he can do once he gets off the plane, because I'm just teaching him how to pray. So that doesn't happen every time, but I think it's so important whenever an opportunity presents itself to jump into that, because again, they may have never met a Christian before that knows how to say anything past the, our father. And when you can pray in your own words to Jesus Christ, your best friend or to God, the father, as if you have a personal relationship with him and you know him and you trust in the power he has, it will change someone's life. Just hearing you pray, not even thinking about all the graces that are being given to them through that. So as we close, I'm sure that for a lot of people, there is, especially a lot of Christians, a lot of Catholics, and even a lot of really faithful Catholics, there's this interest in sharing the gospel. There's this desire to sharing the gospel, and there's this fear of sharing the gospel. Uh, and so, and, and kind of this fear of, of, of leaning into it and being bold. So for the sake of just encouraging listeners who are out there to do the same thing, can you guys just close with an example of like a time where you really had to lean into trusting that that conversation was going to turn out the way that the Lord intended it for it to turn out. Yeah, I can do mine because I've already started mine. The guy with the headphones on his lap, he was either 17 or 18 years old and he had already gotten his seat. He was by the window and I'm sitting down in the aisle. We just, we just strike up this casual conversation and I'm just asking him like, where's he coming from? Where's he going? He's from Ohio. We're flying back from Ohio. He's visiting his family and stuff. And he ends up talking about like, he's in Utah in this house with a bunch of men. I was like, are these like your friends and stuff? And he's like, well, we're actually like in a recovery program like mm. together. And I was like, oh, okay. Like just for like, how, how long is the recovery program? So I didn't go into details. It was just like, just asking something about it. And he said, um, it's kind of like a second step to what it, what had just happened. 
Um, and I was like, oh, so there was like a recovery program before this. And he was like, yeah, this was crazy. I'd never heard anything like this. In high school, got in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble with like substance abuse and different things and was running away from home. And his parents basically said like, okay, we're going to send you to another place. And it was a rehab center, literally in the woods where they would camp, like mm. just these kids. And it was just like the kids and like, I think a leader would camp with them and they would live in the woods. Mm. And then there would be somebody that would come and take them from the woods to like the facility to like meet with like therapists and stuff like that to work through um, whatever they, they wanted to work through. So I'm just asking questions and slowly by slowly, he's like opening up more and more. And there was like a point where, you know, I, I realized very quickly, like he was very like new age, like spiritual, but not religious. Cause mm -hmm. he was, he was saying words of like, it was, it was just like this bliss that I was experiencing. Cause I was asking like, what would you like experience like out there in the silence by yourself? What would you do? It's like, I, there was just be this time of meditation, just like this bliss and kind of this, this recollection of just, you were just one, like you were just in yourself. But one thing that he said that I really noticed, he was like, and then I just, I remember one day I really had this encounter with love. And that's what he said. And he started talking about this encounter with love. And he, what he kept saying was, you know, I, I can't really, I, it's hard to put into words. I, I can't really, I, I'm just thankful. I just can't put it into words. I, I'm sorry. Like, I just can't put it into words. Hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well, what, like, what did, what did you think about like that love when you were receiving it? Right. Cause what's in my mind is first John four, right? God is love. Mm -hmm. But in his mind, there's just this, this spiritual encounter that he's having with mm -hmm. love. Right. So I saw the door of him talking about this encounter with love and then it ended up being of have you i don't know if you've ever like did you grow up christian have you like ever read the bible or anything like that and he said i was christian when i was very young and then basically didn't practice like at all so he didn't know really much of the bible um and i said do you know what first john says god is i said i have no idea so i opened up the bible in front of him and i just showed him i was like it says god is love and so we just started talking about like what was that encounter like what was like actually moving him? What did he like? Like, what did he feel and perceive from that encounter? How could that be God? And then we started talking about what's your understanding like of God? Like, what have you experienced of God in the past? And I'm trying to meet like he loves nature, he loves music. So we're talking about God and beauty. So like we're talking about like kind of like stuff that I've learned in my philosophy classes mm -hmm. of like how God is, like reveals himself like in nature and stuff. And um, it it was eventually just getting to like this point of we had talked about God so much. I was like asking him about. Like, have you, do you have like a regular encounter with him? Because like you've, you've had that one time encounter, so you know you can. And he was like, no, I mean, like I sometimes like I've, I've tried to open up the Bible from time to time, but like, I don't, I don't really know anything. So I said, like, have you ever heard of Lexio? You know? And I mm -hmm. said, would, would you want me to teach you? And so he was like, he was all about it. Like mm. he was so excited. And so we're praying through this Psalm together. And again, one of the tips that we have is operating the prophetic. As he's reading, I, I have him literally, I'm like, I just want you to read the psalm out loud and we're just gonna go through the steps together. So he reads the psalm out loud. I ask him like what's standing out to him, he shares. And while he, he's reading in the psalm, it says, my tears have become my bread. And immediately the father gave me an image of him crying in a green hammock. Hmm. It's like, okay. And so as he's like sharing, after he's done, I'm like, do you have a green hammock? <laughs> and he's like, the house I'm staying at right now is has a green hammock. And hmm. I just say, Okay. Um, when you read that line, I was just honest. I just told him when you read that line of like, my tears have become my bread. I just saw an image of you like crying in a green hammock. Mm. And I feel like the Lord is just like speaking right now. He wants to move past tears. 
Like he wants to give you real bread. He wants to give you real spiritual, real spiritual food. And it, it, it was just breaking doors, like open and open and open. I had no idea how this image was going to land, you know? And we had just come back from a camp that's all about prophecy. So it was like exciting. But by the end of the conversation, we started talking about Eucharist. We started talking about baptism. We started talking about why I'm Catholic, why I want to be a priest. Jack was like, I want to find the parish that's nearest to me and I want to get baptized. And we prayed. We prayed for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, he just kept saying like, I'm so thankful. What was so cool, what was so cool? Okay, this is the last thing. What was so cool was to see him start like talking about bliss and like, I'm so thankful. By the end of the conversation, he was saying, praise God. Hmm. I'm so grateful for, to God. An hour and a half flight, literally a guy who was spiritual but not religious. And we talked about that too, like the difference mm-hmm. between that, right? And by the end of it, he's like, I'm open to baptism. This sounds amazing. I believe that I've encountered God, not because I had to, like, I literally just took his experience and just like unraveled it. And now he's open to like wanting more of the Lord and is praising God in his own words and reading the scriptures. It was incredible. It was incredible. Awesome. Thank you. I think my favorite conversation I've had so far was on the way back from an Oklahoma City retreat we did last semester. And I think the reason I love this so much is because whenever I was getting on the plane, I was so exhausted from the retreat because it was such a long weekend because we just gave so much of ourselves on that retreat. And I get on the plane and all I wanted to do was sleep. And I sit down and I remember this verse from 2 Corinthians 5 where St. Paul says, the love of Christ drives us on. The love of Christ impels us forward. And I sit down and I'm sitting next to this pretty big guy and I was like, Jesus, I really want to sleep right now, but... I know that you love me. I know how much you've done for me. I want to love this guy. And so I'm like, I'll enter into a conversation. And as I was entering into the conversation, I wanted him to like reject me in a sense. I wanted him to put his headphones in so I'd have an excuse to sleep, Um, which just showed me in the rest of the conversation that it was just God speaking through me the entire time because I had nothing left to give at this point. I was done. And we started talking and his name was Aaron. And we talked about his work for probably 20 or 25 minutes. He was really passionate about it. And then I found out he played college football 10 years or so ago. And I love football. And so we started talking all about football. And then I found out we had a mutual hatred for Michigan. But and then he started asking me, I think after a while, people kind of get this sense of, oh, we've talked about me for like the last 45 minutes. I should probably ask a question about you. And he asked what I did. So I started telling him, and he told me, yeah, I, I grew up Catholic. My parents were Catholic, um, but I stopped going to church whenever I was in college. And we just started talking about his past and Again, since I've been loving him so much, this whole conversation, he just starts opening up to me. And his parents tried pushing the faith on him, but they also really wounded him in some pretty crazy things um, that really hurt him. And he's like, I'm trying really hard to forgive them, but I'm struggling so much. And he's talking about all these other friends and family that he had that has hurt him before and where he's trying to find forgiveness and all these wounds that he has and all these ways he feels kind of trapped in life and this lack of fulfillment that he has. And He's opening up to me about all these things and my heart just starts moving. And I I realize now it's not just my love, it's God's love. St. Paul in Philippians 3 is moved to the point of tears at one point praying for people. And so I, I literally start tearing up listening to him because my heart's being moved so much. And him seeing that I'm moved, he starts crying as he's sharing this all with me. Mm. And next thing you know, you just have these two massive guys crammed in the corner of an airplane crying. (laughs) Um, And so we just started praying because again, I realize only God can do something here. And we prayed through Psalm 118 and he hit the line that says, it's better to trust in God than to trust in princes. It is better to trust in God than to trust in men. And he's just like, I can trust God 
I haven't been able to trust anyone my whole life, but I can trust God. Mm. And so I just started talking about how good the father has been to me and sharing my life and how much he's done for me and how I felt that lack of fulfillment and what Jesus has done. Um, and then we just went into personal prayer and we just prayed with each other in our own words. And by the end of the flight, I loved it because he gave me like four or five hugs as we were getting off the <laughs> flight. Um, there wasn't much room to be around. He was a former <laughs> lineman in college football, right? Um, but what he told me is he said, I've got a job to do. As soon as I get back to my hometown, I'm going to find the closest Catholic parish and seek out the priest and I'm going to start going back to church. Mm. And I was just like, in my selfishness, all I wanted to do was sleep. And in two hours, God has changed someone's life and now he has this new desire to come back to the Catholic church and he feels this new joy and fulfillment and hope and light that he wouldn't have had had I been selfish. So there was so much gratitude for what God can do through me in just such a short period of time. So I just want to encourage whoever's listening to just go do it. Share Jesus' love with people. Share your own love with people. Um, and not only will you see others come alive, but you're going to see yourself come alive in the midst of that. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you guys. Like I said, this has really been awesome. So This was uh, fun. Yeah, it was. I, <laughs> I can see why you were nervous. <laughs> I was so excited coming into this. <laughs> well, thank you both very much again for joining me. Uh, next time on the podcast, Brother Andrew will return and he will be joined by Brother Thomas as they share about the daily holy hour for the servants of Christ Jesus. That's it for today. As always, you can learn more about the servants of Christ Jesus and you can find podcast episodes as well as homilies and talks from the servants at scjesus.org. Thank you to the two of you for joining me. Thanks, Thanks Ed. You're the best. Thanks.